people with disabilities in the U.S. alone, or one out of four people have a disability. And the truth is, it's not a matter of if, but when. Disability impacts us all. Hi, welcome to HIMSCast. I'm Kat Jurcich, Senior Editor at Healthcare IT News. Many health IT experts, innovators, and vendors have touted digital health as a mechanism to help overcome hurdles to care. And in one sense, that can be true. People who have trouble getting to in-person medical appointments, for instance, might benefit from telehealth from inside their home. But at the same time, we also know that digital health tools can exacerbate existing difficulties. For instance, a recent report from the New York Times found that at-home COVID-19 tests are basically inaccessible to blind people. So here's me today to discuss the accessibility and inaccessibility of web tools and how developers can address web inequalities is Josh Basil, Community Relations Manager at Accessibility. Josh, thanks for being here with me today. It's great to be here today. Thank you for having me on. Let's just get started by talking a little bit about you and your role at Accessibility. So how did you get involved and what's the company's mission? So I got involved in this space because of a disability that occurred in my life when I was a teenager. I was 18 years old, I was on a family vacation at the beach, and while in wayside water, a wave picked me up, threw me over my boogie board, and slammed me on my head. And that day, I shattered my neck and became a C4-5 quadriplegic. And since then, um, being paralyzed below my shoulders and a power wheelchair user, I I very much learned the power of my voice Mm -hmm. and making sure that I could advocate not only for myself, but for others. And you know, creating a better future, a more inclusive future. So with with going back to school, went to community college, then undergrad, and then graduated magna cum laude from law school. And now I'm a practicing attorney and disability rights advocate. And with all of that, I try to get involved with in as many ways to break down barriers for people with disabilities. And whether that's transportation, employment, independent living, or web accessibility, Um, And since COVID began with the pandemic, the internet to me kind of, it it was a catalyst to say, you know what, we need to do something Mm. more so now. And I just, I really found found out about accessibility and really loved what they were doing. And they're really kind of changing the conversation uh, around making websites accessible and in a scalable way. Um, So there's 7 million websites right now that meet accessibility guidelines on the internet, but we still have hundreds of millions more websites that do not. So as an advocate, I wanted to do something about it and joined Accessibility um, as their community relations manager. That's amazing. And I'm just thinking about how I think the pandemic and the internet too presented ways that digital health and digital health tools can help bridge some of the gaps and kind of address some hurdles for people who might have trouble reaching care um, and who might have trouble reaching physicians and things like that. But it can also, as you said, um, present hurdles. I mean, you, you mentioned again that there are hundreds of millions of websites that aren't accessible. So what are some roadblocks that you're frequently seeing with regard to digital accessibility? So with websites, it's People with disabilities in the U.S. alone, or one out of four people, mm-hmm. have a disability. And the truth is, it's not a matter of if, but when. Disability impacts us all, whether it's us individually, our family members, our friends. But with 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 that huge number in mind, when somebody goes to a website, given their unique abilities, they are going to experience that site in a different way 
and they have to absorb that content in a different way. And if there's not accessibility built into that website, a particular individual with a unique ability might not have the same experience as someone else. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to healthcare, you need to be able to give people the, the ability to access that information, the products, the services, the forms for filling out, um, being able to get medications, being able to set up an appointment. When you have a telehealth appointment, there's, I can, I hope we're gonna probably discuss a lot of these things, but there's a, there's a lot to it, to making sure that people have proper access and without proper access, a lot of harm can happen to people, and especially those with disabilities. They're, they're, uh, they need, they need access to healthcare uh, to, to more so than most because of their disabilities. Absolutely. To your point about one in four people being um, disabled in the United States, I once heard a disability rights advocate say that the state of not having a disability is for almost everyone a temporary condition. And so what are some things that you're seeing that are misunderstood about accessibility in the web and about how web-based accessibility works? Well, they, not everybody understands disability until they either live with it, mm-hmm. have somebody that they care that, that has a disability, or they're in a, a field where disability is really prevalent. And so, so they're like, oh, I had my friend access the website, they had no issue, and they have this disability. But guess what? There's, there's more than one disability that exists. So you have to think of it broader to making sure that you're welcoming to all that come to your, to your website. You know, it's people with disabilities, they, they want to, to be a part of accessing the information and absorbing it. And, but to, the truth is, is that if, if they don't have access to that, well, so if they don't have access to an accessible website, they don't know what they're missing. Hmm. So they go into the site, they think they might be seeing everything, but the truth is that they're missing 25% of it. Or yet they have uh, a special, uh, th- let's say you're hard of hearing and there's a video that basically is trying to like, let you know how to prepare for the, the doctor's appointment and the things you need to do and think about, but you're not able to like you know, interpret what the words are that are coming out. There's, there's so many different things that depending on your unique disability, why you might not be able to access, access that website. Mm-hmm. You mentioned wanting to dig in a little bit more about telehealth, so let's do it. Um, What are some frequent um, challenges that you're seeing with telehealth software when it comes to being accessible? And how can innovators and how can developers ensure that people aren't getting left out and that they're having access to that information? Um, For instance, I've heard folks have a lot of frustration with automated captioning because it doesn't always, for one thing, account for language differences. It can misunderstand words. There's, I mean, yeah, there's a whole host of issues. And so what are some things that you think are important for innovators and developers to be keeping in mind? So there are challenges with telehealth. There's a lot of great things with telehealth. Mm -hmm. But with the challenges, let's say you have an intellectual or developmental disability and you're not able to truly express yourself in a good way or in a way that allows the doctor or healthcare provider to know what's really going on with your body. Uh, and so that's, that's a big barrier. Uh, there's, there's also, when, when it comes to, um, let's say, like you said, with hard of hearing, uh, if you, you might need, the closed captioning is not gonna be accurate. And you, one, every single word that you say 
in a healthcare appointment can have really great value. Like I'm a, I'm a trial attorney, a medical malpractice attorney, and every word is so important when it comes to the story of, of someone's healthcare. And uh, let's see what else. So you, intellectual, developmental, hard of hearing. Uh, you're a lot of people in the disability community don't have access to broadband mm. uh, and, and do not have the proper audio visual technology to be able to, to, be able to have the, the streaming be clear. And, and that, that's, I think, a barrier as well. So for someone, oh, another one of the challenges uh, for someone with a motor disability, mm. um, a lot of people, let's say that you're not with a uh, attendant or a caregiver, you might not be able to move around or stand up to be able to show different ailments. Or if you don't, if you can't feel it, you, the doctor won't be able to touch and find out what's really going on with your body. Um, some of the benefits of telehealth is transportation. There's so many transportation barriers for people with disabilities to get and access healthcare, uh, healthcare in this country. Accessible parking is another barrier. Accessible buildings. Like I cannot tell you enough how when I get to doctor's offices that I can't even move around in, in the rooms because they're so compact. And the different imaging tools have no accessibility built in for my power wheelchair. Like I can't even get up to it to get an imaging done. Hmm. Or I haven't been weighed in so long in so many doctor's offices because they don't have the ability to pick me up and put me on a scale or a table. So everything's basically done from my power wheelchair. But telehealth, um, I, I, I love it in so many ways for myself because of those transportation barriers and being able to do a lot of quick follow-ups with doctors or medication orders with doctors, you, you name it. Like there's, you know, when something big and is and important with the body that's happening, I want to be in person. But so often it's, it's constant maintenance of checking up on somebody and not having to take the entire afternoon off to go to a doctor's appointment. Uh, it gives me a lot more ability to have a better quality of life and work and contribute to the household. Absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. As you're describing the process of going to the doctor, it's just so striking that a medical professional who ostensibly has the needs of patients centered in their care would not have what strikes me as sort of basic accessibility uh, needs. And maybe that also sort of trickles that down into healthcare websites where in your experience, are you seeing that kind of failure to address accessibility needs mirrored in clinician websites or sort of other healthcare digital technologies? Absolutely. I, I see it every day um, mm. across all websites, but even even in the healthcare world, more so just because it's so much, it's to the next level of importance because mm -hmm. we're talking about people's lives here. So, you know, being able to go onto a website and get to all the different parts of the website allows you to actually connect with that physician and that healthcare provider. If you can't get to the contact us page, if you can't get out to the forms page and fill out all of your basic information and need, I have voice dictation software. And, and if I can't, click on a particular form and actually then be able to write in that form with my voice dictation. I'm at a loss. I have to wait until a friend or a family member is going to be with me to help fill it out. And the truth is not everybody has those people in their lives to help fill those out. Um, so there, there's so many parts of a website 
that are crucial to be able to provide healthcare and the information and the connections and, and setting up appointments. Um, and even, even like if you're trying to find a, a healthcare provider, you know, mm. if, you're, if, you're, if the website's not accessible and you're blind and you're going in to see who's in network, but you can't see whoever's in network to be able to give you the care, that's a really scary thing. So it's website, website accessibility, web accessibility on healthcare websites are, are life-changing and life savings. So I just, I urge any healthcare provider that is listening to this to like, think about what they can do to check in, to find out if their website is accessible. So like at, with Accessivity, um, if you go to accessivity.com slash ACE, you can do this free audit where you put your mm. link to your website in and it tells you all the different areas that you're great with accessibility. And then all the different areas where you're falling through the cracks and people are not able to access the different headers, navigation, forms, you name it. There's so many different parts of a website that exist that you need to kind of build it out properly to make accessibility be at the, at the forefront. Absolutely. What I'm hearing you describe in some ways is sort of intentionally viewing care, whether that's virtual care, in-person care, through a deliberate lens of ensuring that everyone will be able to have access to it, which in some ways feels like a very sort of basic step. But on the other hand, it seems as if you do need sort of third party party auditors or services like Accessibility to be able to say, okay, your one friend was able to access this website, but another person with a different ability can't. And that is an enormous problem. And, and you, it's also, oh, go ahead, sorry. You need to make it sure that websites are accessible to all and, and truly usable by all. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I love most about Accessibility is that they have an access widget, which is mm -hmm. a little icon on the side of the screen. A lot more people are seeing these every day now on websites where you click it and it's it brings up accessibility options, all these profile systems. So if you have epilepsy, you mm -hmm. click the epilepsy profile, it turns off all flashing images. So you don't trigger a seizure. You There's cognitive disability filter. There's an ADHD filter for focus. There's um, a motor disability uh, profile, a blind low vision uh, profile. The, the thing that I love about these profiles is it creates usability based on that unique visitor's abilities. And mm. then for me, I think it creates like a superpower because it gives you like a choice and uh, to have how do you want to experience this website? How do you want to navigate it? And there's all these other options of customization that you can have to really create the experience of your choice. That's great. Yeah. I love that um, individualized user profile aspect because obviously what one person might find accessible and usable, as you mentioned, um, another person might not. And that is something that I think I think we're moving a little bit more toward in terms of health IT and health tech, more of an individualized approach to care, but I don't know if we're quite moving toward an individualized approach to the platforms for that care, if that makes sense. And so it sounds like you're describing something that would be a more individualized approach. But it's important for it to be individualized mm -hmm. because you're, you're wanting to create experiences for that unique person. And if you can create a custom experience for them, they're going to have a better outcome more often mm. than not because they're going to be able to have better access and, and absorption of 
of the information and, and be able to have a better experience where they're gonna wanna come back again and again. And it's, so I think you were saying earlier as well, which I, I like to, with making a website, it's just not one and done. It's, mm-hmm. it's a journey. You have to check in to make sure your website is continually accessible to all abilities. Because every day, every time you update a website, it changes and that change needs to be accessible. You need to have um, images with alt text so that a blind user can go on and be able to know what that image says. If it's a chart, what is that chart saying? If you have no idea, if it just has no alt text on it, it's just going to say image, image, image. Mm. And that's all they know that there's an image there, but they have no idea what that is. So one of the cool things with the access widget with Accessby as well is that it's, it, uses, it utilizes artificial intelligence for every 24 hours it scans the website to find different uh, bugs or holes in, in, in the accessibility. And then it creates uh, the ability with the usability profiles and to be able to kind of go over top of that and make it accessible um, based on, on those user profiles in that session for that individual, which is, is awesome. So every 24 hours, it, it takes a look at the site. You did mention something that I wanted to touch on, which is how organizations can benefit from making sure that their websites and digital health tools are accessible to the maximum number of people. I know that there's also obviously a legal aspect to that um, in terms of the ADA and making sure they're compliant, but what are some other benefits that organizations can glean from ensuring that their digital health tools are able to be used um, by patients and by individuals? So first and foremost, you're gonna be able to create better outcomes, healthier mm. patients. Um, but really with the disability community, when I, when I said earlier that we're talking about one fourth of the US population. So right now, if you don't have an accessible website, you are, you're limiting and not welcoming as many different potential clients and people to help. So it's, it's really, disability community is the most untapped market in the US right now. And by making your website accessible, um, you are opening the doors to millions of new people. You're also going to get in touch with a community, a population that is the most brand loyal community. Hmm. When people with disabilities are taken care of, they don't forget it. They come back again and again and again as repeat customers because so few places offer high levels of accessibility. And when we do find it, we not only come back ourselves, but as natural mentors and advocates, we recommend it to our friends and family or amazing advertisers for, for, for businesses that try to say, you know what, we wanna do more to help people with disabilities. And you know, at the end of the day, people with disabilities in the US have billions of dollars in spending power. We're, we're talking just in the US, I mean, last year alone, it was like $490 billion uh, of spending power. And you know what, so if you talk about not just doing it for compliance purposes, do it because it's a smart business decision and and it's the right thing to do as well. Well, thank you so much, Josh. This has been a great conversation and I've learned a lot about website accessibility and I appreciate you coming on today. It's so great to be here and thank you for having these conversations because this is how we really change the way that the, the world functions, how websites are. Like we, you know, bringing this information to people then gives them an opportunity to do something about it. So I hope everybody then goes, looks, look at your website, find out if it is accessible. And if, it, if it's not, 
let's find ways to make it accessible and take the steps that needed to like open your doors to so many people that need help. And thank you so much to our listeners. If you liked this podcast, go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and stay safe out there. Bye.